This section in Romans 16 shows again the great love of the Apostle Paul for people. And there's some very, very exciting things in the opening part of this section through verse 16 of Romans. Men who and women who contributed and blessed the Apostle Paul's life, who helped to move the word and to have their names appear in the record of God's word is very, very significant because God does not spin his wheels having holy men of God to record people who were way out left field who didn't help to move the word unless it's for an illustration that they got bombed out and that the adversary took good care of them. So, Romans 16, verse 1, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Kenkaria. To commend is to recommend, like you would write a letter, and I'm asked to do that at times, to write a letter of recommendation for someone. That's the word commend. I recommend or commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. The word Phoebe means the radiant one. Real interesting name. The word Phoebe, or the name Phoebe, is the feminine of Phoebus, P-H-O-E-B-U-S, which is also the same as Apollo. And Apollo was the sun god, the Greek sun god. And that's why the word means radiant, brilliant, like the sun. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant, servant of the church, a servant of or a servant to the church. The word servant is the word diakonos, D-I-A-K-O-N-O-S. That's the Greek word, diakonos. It is from this Greek word that we get the English word deaconess. That's this word, diakonos. And in the Protestant church, you have people called deaconesses. Comes off of this word, diakonos. This woman, Phoebe, is the only woman in the New Testament or in the Bible who is called a diakonos. The only one. There may have been others, of course, but this is the only one that's named. Only woman so-called. The best I understand the word diakonos is one who quickly, with detailed attention, serves a doulos. One of sterling quality. That's quite a record for this woman, Phoebe, isn't it? Our sister, one who quickly, with detailed attention, serves one who is a slave of, for God, one who is marked out for God. She is one of sterling quality. The city Kenkaria is just east of Corinth. And perhaps that, that whole work in that area was an outreach because of the time Paul spent in Corinth. And it was just like the W.O.W. program opening 
other areas, other cities. And she was just a fantastic woman. Verse 2 says, That ye receive her in the Lord, as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of. For she hath been a succorer of many, and of myself, Paul says, also. That's the description. And this receiver in the Lord is something I thought I ought to share with you because it's still true today. It simply means to receive her in the Lord means to take her in your heart. Maybe put your arms around her. Hug her. <laughs> you know, make her one of you. Just feel the beauty of her presence and be blessed with her. There's a record in First Timothy chapter 5 that I looked up regarding a wonderful woman of God. It says in verse 10, well reported of for good works, if she had brought up children, if she had lodged strangers, if she had washed the saints' feet, if she had relieved the afflicted, and if she have diligently followed every good work. That's why the word of God says, you receive her in the Lord as become saints. One who has done this as becometh saints, worthy brothers and sisters, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. The word business means things she needs in her affairs, in her things that matter, things that matters that need to be taken care of for her in her life. The Greek word to me was is very interesting. It's the word pragma, P-R-A-G-M-A from which we get our word pragmatic, from which we also get the word practical. In whatsoever business, practical, matters she hath need of you. In her day-by-day -day living, in her life, for she hath been a succorer. This word succorer is the Greek word P-R-O-S-T-A-T-I-S. Prostatis. She hath been a succorer, meaning one in an honorable position. The way I understand it is like a right-hand person to you, your assistant, your right-hand person, an intimate helper, intimate helper. And no one can ever be a helper to a doulos a real helper, unless they know that do those intimately and know their heart and their desire and what blesses them, and then they bless them. She's been an intimate helper of many. And then he says, of myself also. She sure must have been a fantastic woman to the body of believers as well as to the Apostle Paul. She must have really blessed his life. And then in verse 3, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Helpers means fellow laborers. 
working together with me. Priscilla and Aquila, the ones who work together with me in Christ Jesus. The word greet means say hi. That's what it means. You just say hi to Priscilla and Aquila. My fellow laborers who work together with me in the outreach of the ministry that set forth Christ Jesus. Priscilla, the name Priscilla, means a family tree of age, old honor, highly respected ancestry. The text is, the Greek text is Prisca, P-R-I-S-C-A, Prisca. King James has it, Priscilla, Prisca. A family tree of age-old honor, highly respected ancestry. The word Aquila means the eagle. And that word, of course, is also the name of a northern constellation. This Aquila and Priscilla were a tremendous couple. In Acts chapter 18, I want to read you a few of the things that the Word of God says. Paul departed in Acts 18 from Athens. He came to Corinth, and at Corinth, he found a certain Jew named what? Aquila, born in Pontius, lately come from Italy. Came from Rome, Italy, to Corinth with his wife Priscilla because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. In verse 18 of this same chapter, it says, and Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Cancaria, for he had a what? Vow. That's the record we're reading about. It's a tremendous thing. Verse 26, And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, Corinth, and when, who, when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them, they took Apollos unto them, and expounded unto him the way of God more accurately, more perfectly. A tremendous couple in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 mentions them again in verse 19. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, in the epistle to the Romans. And they had a church in their house who have Aquila and Priscilla for my life laid down their own necks laid down their own necks as a figure of speech. In other words, they put their necks on the line for Paul. Fought for him, believed with him. Unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Must have been tremendous what Aquila and Priscilla did for the Apostle Paul. Likewise, greet the church, all the believers, that are in their what? 
house. No matter how you look at it, the church in the home, the twig, is the lifeline of the word, and it's the truth of Christianity. The church as such was never meant to be in what we today have become so acclimatized to and say, well, that is the church, meaning a building, usually with a cross on the top of it or something. That's not it. It's in the home. It's in the home. Then it says in verse 5, Salute my well-beloved Eponetus. And he loved him very much because he is the first fruits of Achaia, Achaia's Asia. The first one out of the area called Asia that was one under Christ. And somehow or other, the people who are the first fruits, the first ones that you win, you just somehow or other never forget. The first one you witness to who got born again, who signed up for the class maybe or something, whose life was changed, I doubt if you'll ever forget that person. I'll never forget Mel and Jan because they're the first ones I ministered to after I'd received the manifestation of the Spirit into evidence. See, never forget it. Here the Word of God talks about the first fruits of Asia. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. She's another wonderful woman. There are two Greek words that are translated Mary. One is the word Maria. The other is the word Marian. Maria, its literal meaning is myrrh. which means living fragrance. Myrrh was incense that was used in the worship of God. Miriam is a Hebrew word, and it means bitterness. I believe this Mary was myrrh, a living fragrance. Then verse 7 says, Salute, greet, bless, put the... Put a, you know, like we say, we say to people, God bless you. That's salute. Andronicus and Junia. Junia is Julia, my kinsman. And my fellow prisoners, look at that. They were relatives of Paul who are of note among the apostles of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. They were in the word before Paul was, when Paul was still persecuting the church, hurting the church, killing the believers, handcuffing them, bringing them back to Jerusalem. Here his relatives were already in the word, and these relatives loved the word and loved him so much that when Paul was imprisoned, they were imprisoned with him, fellow prisoners with him in Rome. Fellow prisoners, really something. The word apostles, note among the apostles, intrigued me. 
spiritually, who are of note among the apostles. Number one, a man and a woman, which tells me, if I understand this accurately, that here was a woman who was an apostle, as well as her husband. Most of the commentaries, if they say anything about it, say that the woman was covered by the man, therefore the man was the apostle and the woman just came along. You know, that could be true from an oriental point of view, but I would like to believe, which I believe, that a woman with Christ in her could have the same type of ministry that a man can have. If you pin me down and say, well, what proof do you have? I really can't say that I got any, except just reading it literally and believing it literally, that here was this wonderful Andronicus and Julia, who were his relatives, and they were fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who were also in Christ before me. Not just that these people were of note among the apostles, but they were apostles besides the twelve. You see, one of the criticisms that religion piles on Paul and accuses him of, and that's why many of them take a crack at the epistles because they say Paul was a woman hater, especially women lib don't like Paul. It's a bunch of baloney. Paul was not a woman hater. I think Gert Bahanna makes a statement on her tape that some of us women are not just too especially crazy about Paul. But Paul was not a woman hater. There's a record in Galatians that's sort of nice. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 28, Paul says there's neither Jew nor what? There's neither bond nor what? There's neither male nor what? For you're all one when they're born again. Man or woman are all one in whom? Doesn't hate them. In Philippians chapter 4, in verse 3, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, Help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Women just stood side by side with the apostle Paul, labored with him in the gospel. And they were called fellow laborers, yoked fellow laborers. And you know what a yoke is? You know, it's when two animals were tied together, like when they would plow, two animals would be yoked together. That is a yoke fellow, and the women labored with me in the gospel. They were yoked together with Paul in the gospel, proclaiming of it. Paul was not a woman hater. And talking about apostles, there were certainly others besides the 12 in Acts 14. Acts 14, verse 4. The multitude of the city was divided and had part held with Jews and part with the apostles. 
Paul and Barnabas. Verse 14, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul, see, Barnabas was one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy unto the church of the Thessalonians. Silvanus and Timothy, in verse 6 of chapter 2, speaking of this, it says, Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of whom? Silvanus and Timothy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, for I think, verse 9, that God has set forth us, Apollos and Paul, the apostles, verse 9. In Philippians, chapter 2, verse 25, I suppose it necessary to send you to you Aphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministereth to my wants. I believe he was an apostle. In 2 Corinthians 8, 8.23, Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Messengers of the churches. One of the reasons I call this to the Corps' attention is because usually the people believe that there were only 12 apostles and that there, with the death of those apostles, there were no more. But that's not true. There were apostles, other beside, others besides the 12, and there are apostles today, according to Ephesians. He gave gifts unto the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Back to Romans 16, he says in verse 8, Greet Ampelias, my beloved in the Lord. Ampelias was a Roman slave name. Then it says, Salute Urbane. Urbane is Urbanus, U-R-B-A-N-E-U-S. Maybe that's where we got Urbana, Ohio from. The word Urbane or Urbanus means freed by imperial decree. Our helper in Christ and Stachus, my beloved. Verse 10, salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Tremendous record for this man named here. Approved. A man stands approved by rightly dividing what? The word. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Of his household. Not only the man, but his household. The slaves of his household. Remind you of... Um, Acts, Cornelius, and all his household. Then verse 11, Salute Herodian, my kinsman. 
a relative, a relative who was serving in political circles. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Again, household. It's always the church in the home, the family, the household. Then it says in verse 12, salute Tryphena and Tryphosa. Tryphena and Tryphosa were sisters. Tryphena means delicate and Tryphosa means dainty. Who labor in the Lord, women. Then it says, salute the beloved Persis, who was a woman, who labored much in the Lord. In other words, she didn't sit home and just wash dishes or raise kids or something. Then verse 13, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. That's real interesting. Rufus. Okay, Mark. Wonder if this is not the same man. 15, verse 21. And they compelled one Simon of Cyrene who passed by, coming out of the, the father of Alexander and Rufus. To Barry's cross. I wonder if that is not the same Rufus that's mentioned here in Romans 16, 13. He was chosen in the Lord and his mother, his mother and mine. Boy, what a real tenderness there. Paul must have had a, a tremendous love for that wonderful woman. Then it says, salute Asyncritus and Philagan. And then it mentions Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. Verse 15, salute Philologus and Julia and Nereus and his sister and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. In the Just and the Justifier, C.H. Wells says, on bottom of page 341, it is of great interest to learn that recently an Italian market gardener laid bare a little cemetery with a number of headstones bearing the names of Urbanus, Stachus, Tryphena, Amplius, Philogus, Julius, and Hermas. Every one of these appear in Romans 16, and there can be no doubt that these were the very people mentioned by the apostle. Lightfoot, in his note on the reference to the saints in Caesar's household in Philippians, has shown that many of these names were well known at the Roman court. Amplius and Urbanus are mentioned several times. Stachus is rare, but there is a record of a man of this name 
who held office at about the time when Paul wrote. Apelles in verse 10, was a name belonging to the imperial household. Aristobulus, mentioned in the same verse, was the grandson of Herod the Great, and slaves belonging to him would be designated as part of his household. Herodian, a fellow countryman of the apostle, is mentioned immediately after this household of Herod's grandson. The name Narcissus was a fairly common one, but the close proximity of the household of Narcissus to that of Aristobulus, verse 10 and 11, makes it probable that the apostle is referring to a powerful free man, Narcissus, whose wealth was proverbial and who had an immense influence with Claudius. Narcissus was put to death by Agrippina shortly after the accession of Nero, about three or four years before the epistle to the Romans was written. Tryphena and Tryphosa were sisters, and both names occur in the inscriptions. Both names are derived from trufe, T-R-U-P-H-E, meaning luxury, and there may be an intended contrast here in the apostles' use of the word labor to describe their service. I thought that was very interesting archaeological finding. And then comes verse 16 that all of you ladies ought to like. Salute one another with a holy kiss. Well, a holy kiss is not a passionate one. The holy kiss, and of course, I again know what the commentaries say, and I just... You know, I, I just bypass it. They say that, you know, no man ever greeted a woman in Oriental culture like that. I don't believe it. I believe that Christianity was a revolutionary thing. I believe Jesus Christ was the greatest revolutionary the world has ever seen. And that's why I believe there neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, remember all that? I believe that the thing that happened in the early church was about the same thing I see happening among way believers. We say to our people, God bless. We love you. And we hug our people and we kiss them. I think that is exactly this scripture. Salute one another with a holy kiss, which means bless you, honey. Bless you, son. This kind of thing is, I believe, how the early church worked. And I, I'm real blessed that the Apostle Paul, by divine revelation, wrote this in the Word of God. Because whenever the greatness of the Word lives in the soul of a man or a woman, there's always that tenderness. There's always that quiet acquiescence, that quiet respect, that beauty of heart that goes out not only to men but also to women. 